Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Odds are you already said it. I made most of you say it when you walked in because I made a point of saying to you, Happy New Year. And you said, Happy New Year or Have a Blessed New Year or something like that. And yet, of all the things that are happy with each new year and all of the anticipation that we have for all of the blessings that God has already prepared for us in the new year, there's also some other thoughts that we have with each and every year, especially as you get older. It's another year. We're not getting any younger. If there was ever a person who thought that, I think Abraham would be it. How many of you want to live to be as old as Abraham? Maybe you do. As for me, I don't. Lord, please take me home sooner. That can be a prayer we pray. Wanting heaven more than maybe 100 years on this place? I don't think that's bad. Maybe you want to live as old as Abraham. Do you want to have a child at the age that Abraham had a child? Maybe that's probably a different thing. The Lord had promised Abraham that all nations on earth would be blessed through him. He made this covenant with him, this this contract. And just as is the case with all contracts, it requires substance. It requires a thing to signify, to make this covenant happen. We use paper and pen, or maybe we would use a a good old-fashioned handshake to make an agreement between two people There were several ways that they did it in the Old Testament. They would cut an animal in half. There there would be other things that they would use, sign it in blood, whatever it was. God was going to make this covenant with Abraham. All nations would be blessed through him, through the child that he was going to have with Sarah. But he and Sarah had another plan, a plan worthy of a Jerry Springer episode. And it wasn't Abraham's plan, although you might think, looking at the end of the story, that it would be Abraham's plan. He went along with it, but it wasn't his plan. It was Sarah's plan. Sarah had this plan, well, since all nations are going to be blessed, or actually since we need an heir for all of our stuff, I got an idea. How about you father a child through Hagar, my maidservant? Brilliant idea. With all the sarcasm in the world, brilliant idea. Through Ishmael, will all nations be blessed? That's not what the Lord said. It was through Isaac, the child that he would have through Sarah, it's amazing when you get to another year and you get a little bit older, yes, you get a little bit older whether you like it or not, we have our own plans, don't we? The things that we devise in our own heads and hearts as to what is going to make our year better than last year and maybe the last two years set the bottom of the barrel of the basement and so we're thinking (laughs) things can only go up from here and all of that is fine and good. Resolutions have at them and yet for how much of the plans that have been devised in our own heads and hearts have been kind of like Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. We're we're trying to devise the way for us to play God for a little bit in our own lives. And all the while, we lose the promises of God. How much of our plans happen at the expense of the promises of God? Because we think so much about our hands on the steering wheel instead of God who controls every car, so to speak, mentally and eternally. And that's why God needed to double down again. 
to remind Abraham and you and me through him that it is God who blesses. It is God who is in control. And he controls in ways that are miraculous, even sending a son to some people who are very old in age, past the age of childbearing. But is this not the way that God works and wants us to magnify his work? To zoom in on the very odd, weird, unconventional, and yet miraculous ways that God has chosen to work. To send a son to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, a miraculous child. Sound familiar? God sending a child in a miraculous way? Quite the Christmas picture. Even 2,000 years B.C. And God still continues to carry out the promise that he made to Abraham. Look at where you are in history. 2022. Sorry, Jetsons, we're not flying around, but there's a lot that's flying around in our heads, in our hearts, and even in our lives, and yet what is God carrying out among us? You are blessed. Scattered like seed across this wasteland of a world, you are living walking, breathing proof that what God carried out through Isaac, through Jacob, and all of those sons leading up to Jesus has become the eternal blessing of all blessings for you. God is still carrying out his work today. A reading, the Old Testament reading, Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make, you, make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The word of the Lord. Part of what we mean when we say Happy New Year is that we want a new year to be filled with happiness, not only for us, but for the people that we are greeting. We can anticipate easily all the good things that we want of this, from this year and for the years to come as God allows us to live them and as God allows this world to keep spinning. And yet with every single question about what is coming down the pipeline of this year. It's not all good, is it? With every year, and this has been proven with every year in our existence thus far, it's a profound thought, are you ready? There has been both good and bad. Mind-blowing, I know. That truth bomb I just dropped. But with every bit of bad that may come in 2022 in the years to follow, there's also that fear that we have the fear of the unknown, 
how an entire world might be changed not only for the better, but quite possibly for the worse, as if that's possible. There's a whole lot to fear. And maybe some of that fear, although the world will not tell you this, God's word will tell you this, and God's messengers and brothers and sisters in Christ should tell one another this, maybe some of that fear is healthy. Because without it, what do you have except an arrogance, an ignorance, both of those things put together to make this wicked concoction that never, ever, ever subjugates a person below God or orients them below the Almighty, as God referred himself to Abraham. But of all the fears that we should have, maybe the first fear we should have is to view ourselves under God with a proper relationship. A proper relationship that does not only view him as an almighty and holy God, although we should, but also as Father. Yes, he is almighty and holy God. He is the one who made all things. He is the one who could snap his finger and everything would be dissipated, not even into air, but into nothingness. He made this world from nothing using only his voice. What do you think he could do if he opened his mouth to do the opposite? And who are we? Happy New Year, and here we are moving along as though we deserve it or something. God owes us nothing. We could be slaves. And actually, in a way, we are. You see, slaves in Paul's day, they were always worried because their master controlled them and would control the outcome not only of every day, but even of their life. Imagine that. And it wasn't just slavery as we think of it. It could be a debtor's type of slavery. You owe a person hours and work and wages until you can pay back because you're indebted to them because they're calling in their favor, so to speak. But it could even be worse. Yeah, the worst type of slavery that you could ever imagine. And now think of being a slave to God in the worst possible sense if he were to impose such a relationship upon us. But, But he doesn't. Even to people who, yes, we are slaves in a sense, slaves to sin. I mean, think of it. Of all the resolutions, let's say one of your resolutions, which this should be one of them, Lord, free me from sin this year. Not just, I'd like a few pounds off the waistline, Lord. Like, measure a few pounds with having no sin. Having no sin kind of wins. I'll take 20 pounds on the waist if I could be free from sin. But we're slaves. Like, Lord, help me even just to be free from this one wicked thought that I have, a recurring one that you know well about because you know all things. Lord, help me in this one relationship. Lord, help me with this one thing that I struggle with verbally, mentally, physically. Help me with this one thing. And even in praying it, we can, we can kind of feel the air around us closing in and suffocating us like shackles around our neck, hemming us in like there's chains to our wrists and feet, the anchor to those chains buried feet behind a brick wall. Slaves. Fear. And yet, God had it all planned. It wasn't like an alarm clock that startled him. Time to wake up, God, to carry out your plan. No, when the, the time had fully come, when the set time that God had appointed had fully come to pass, all the cogs in the wheel of God's work of redemption were being carried out in, in Jesus so that the 
son to be born would bear the slavery of our sin and pay for its eternal debt so that when you view your relationship under Almighty God, you do not have any reason to fear him eternally with terror, but actually to view yourself as his daughter, his son. And even though the picture of a father has been hurt by sin in this world, we as children of God can and should only view our Father in heaven with love and respect, a a reverent type of fear, knowing that he will never hurt us, abuse us, harm us, leave us. Even that he gives us this picture of sonship, it doesn't slight the ladies in the room. Sonship means you get the inheritance. Daughtership doesn't really do it in the context, but it still applies to you, daughters of the Almighty King. You get the eternal inheritance that when God opens up his heavenly home, there is a room for you. It has your name on it. And kids, you might not even have to share it. Better than what we could imagine is a father who doles out the full eternal reality of his heavenly existence, all because he works in this way, to send his son to pay the price of our sin, to crush death, and to give us an eternal inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This is God's magnified work of redemption, buying us back for himself. A reading, the New Testament reading, Galatians chapter 4. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The word of the Lord. I don't know if you are the type that likes to make New Year's resolutions, and even if you are or are not, you're probably well familiar with the percentages of how many resolutions are actually kept and how long they're actually kept So I'll spare you those things, regardless of whether or not you're the person who makes those resolutions and holds yourself to them. Every single person approaches a year wanting change. You want to change, and when you think about change, you can't help but walk through the, the roll of photos, so to speak, of 2021 and 2020, or maybe even decades ago, and think, yeah, I want something different out of this year. There's, there's change, and what better change than if God gives it himself? And God has a way of creating change in ways that come not only in big packages, but especially in small packages. Think, think if God was going to send an unexpected change in this small package of a child. And some of you who are thinking about your grandchildren or maybe even great-grandchildren are thinking, Lord, please no. Some of you who have several children and are praying, Lord, I I think that we're good, are thinking also, Lord, please no. Some of you might also think, Lord, please, yes, and regardless of that, a child makes a massive change. Again, major truth bomb I just dropped there. Children make massive changes. They change your sleep. They change your hobbies. They change your priorities. 
They change absolutely everything about your life. Ready or not? Zechariah wasn't. <laughs> the context of these words, which are the song of Zechariah, are quite interesting, and maybe you're familiar with them, especially because we, we studied these in the weeks of December leading up to Christmas. Zechariah was serving the Lord as a priest, offering prayers, maybe even the sacrifices, and the angel appeared to him and told him that he was going to have a child. Oh, he and Elizabeth tried, and they wanted children, but she was unable to bear a child. And now they were well past those years, and it was the farthest thing from his mind. And yet, God has a way of creating big change through the small package of a child. He promised that there would be one who would prepare the way in fact, 700 years earlier, through the prophet Isaiah, God was already calling this shot. Ready or not, Zechariah. And oh, did I mention he wasn't? He didn't believe the angel that came from God, that stands before the, the Lord and ministers before the Lord and sends the messages from the Lord. He has no words that are original to his own. He only communicates what God gives. That's what the word angel means. Pa Pastor Zell shared that on Christmas Eve, you may recall. He's a messenger of God. That's what angel means. How can this be? <laughs> Elizabeth and I are old. <laughs> I don't know what you sound like when skepticism wins and when doubt takes over, especially when it comes to the commands or maybe even the promises of God. Maybe it is a... <laughs> Maybe it is a shaking of a head. Maybe it even could be in our weakest moments an outright despisal of whatever God says, as though, what does he know? It's 2022. Look at how smart we are. That stuff in the Bible. Old Testament. <laughs> and it sounds silly when you verbalize it, and I can't help but think that Gabriel was quite generous with the way that Zechariah responded, considering Gabriel is a holy angel of God. And how should God respond to our doubts? When we respond to him, not with righteousness, with everything that matches up symmetrical with his commands, his laws, and his desires. When we do not serve him with love and care for others with love, the same love that he shows to us, when when he gives us words that exist outside of time and transcend space and eternity, and we respond to him with, I mean, think of what skepticism is. Think of what doubt is for a second, especially in the counsel of God. It is to literally look God in the face, and we don't always usually think about it this way, but we're going to up the ante a little bit and think about it this way for a second. It literally is looking at Almighty God who works in ways that we know seem to be small but create massive change, and to say to him, think about that. And of all the ways that God could respond, he could, like he did with Zechariah, go, whoop, you're not going to talk for a while. Make that a fast nine months. <laughs> he could do more than silence us. He could cast us away from his presence forever. But God, who is slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, who desires to bless his children for de his descendants and generations to come, just as he said through Abraham, the one who 
takes us in this slavery to sin and adopts us as his children so we would receive this adoption into sonship and be heirs of eternal life. This God who is abounding in such faithful love to all of us carries out his promises even if he must silence us for a little bit and maybe we would pray that he does to silence us in a quick moment so he can communicate his unending love just as he did to Zechariah as he and Elizabeth would have a child by the name of John, the baptizer who prepared the way for the Lord. So when John was born and they were going to name him after Zechariah, they kind of ignored Elizabeth. Like, what's his name? His name is going to be John. Okay, <laughs> let's go ask Zechariah. So they go to Zechariah and he has this tablet because he can't talk. His name is John. And all of that communicates this great coalescence of God's will. And Zechariah can't help but sing about this that God would keep his promise, that he would give to us a righteousness we could not create on our own. Give us all of these blessings as part of his wonderful, redeeming, and even magnified work. The Gospel, Luke chapter 1. Please stand as we meet our Savior in his word. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.